a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. It's alive. Norwich City are still alive and kicking in the Premier League. Just about getting back on track, ending that horrible run of six successive defeats without scoring a goal with a 2-1 win over Everton at a very, very pleased Carrow Road. A great atmosphere and a really good game for us to review. And the second pod in a row where we're reviewing a victory, thanks to the FA Cup win over Charlton. Um, but I doubt we'll be talking about that game too much. This one, we've certainly got loads to get stuck into. Dave Freezer here with the latest edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with Future Radio 107.8 FM. Joined by Paddy Davitt and Adam Harvey. No Connor this week because he's still in his uh, COVID isolation, but he's OK. We uh, we just spoke to him a little while ago. Actually, he's doing fine. And uh, obviously, we've told him he's not allowed back at Carrow Road now because he also missed the Southampton game. So, Adam, I think you started a uh, social media petition to make sure that he's not allowed back in, haven't you? Um, but, chaps, let's um, let's just sort of enjoy the moment, I suppose, to kick off with a little bit, Pad, because that really was a cracking atmosphere, wasn't it? Everything about it was cracking. Yeah, the result, uh, goals, uh, the fight, the character on and off the pitch, because Norwich's fans make no mistake, had to play their part in that final quarter when it was getting very frantic. And it's everything I'd imagine anybody would have hoped for if you were a Norwich fan to see that and then get the result at the end of it. Um, and that's all they want, you know, much gnashing and wailing of teeth in recent games, understandably. Um, and everything through looking for a result like that uh, feels a lot more positive, but we do need to keep it in context. It is one one game, and it can't be one game in isolation, given where Norwich still are in the league table and what they've got ahead of them. But uh, I think Dean Smith summed it up perfectly after the game. You know, he said to his players, um, probably in his pre-match final thoughts, this isn't the be-all and end-all game, but it's getting pretty close to that. And enough words, it's time for action. And boy, did they deliver. So, um, you know, we've seen that in his first two or three games um, for reasons already stated. We didn't see anywhere near enough of that in the six games kind of either side of Christmas. Um, there was signs of, of certainly a bit more appetite for the battle at West Ham without getting the result or a, or a goal to show for it. And the tipping point was reached on, on Saturday at Car Road. So, you know, we all now can look forward to that massive game at Watford on Friday coming uh, with far more... Um, positivity rather than trepidation. But, uh, you know, brilliant, savour it, enjoy it. Um, but it needs to be the start of something, not um, 
not an isolated incident in what is still uh, a downward spiral heading back to the championship. No, no, that's it now, Pad. They've shown they're really good. They're gonna they're gonna win all the games from here. It's sorted. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I played Everton every week, and I, I might be fairly confident because uh, <laughs> we don't need to get into too much of the their their their, their uh, soap opera. But you know, one win in thirteen now, and I think we'll all be pretty surprised if Benitez is in charge for their next game. So yeah, yeah they got a helping hand in terms of that. But ultimately, I'd prefer to look at it more than what Norwich did on the day, on and off the pitch, and they were. They were everything they needed to be and got their rewards. So, yeah, well, if we're talking about another Norwich win after after the Watford game, then, then yeah, then, then we can start to believe the impossible is possible. Big time, because I'd said in the midweek six things after the West Ham game, obviously that 2-0 defeat on West Ham, which we don't really need to reflect on too much now, thanks to uh, thanks to this game, that they had to win one of these two games in in my eyes. And, and if you have a look at the table now, still, that that is emphasised by the fact that, yes, they are up to 18th. They're two points clear of Burnley. Burnley got four games in hand now because of all these postponements. Watford has still got two in hand. Newcastle have got one in hand. Very helpful late equaliser from Watford at St James's Park. That was uh, very welcome news to hear. So, um, But we'll take any positives after this miserable run, won't we, Adam? And I, I felt like it's been it has been grim it's been it's been a tough spell for the fans to to get through you know we we had the sort of gnashing of teeth over dean smith saying he didn't like the sarcasm in the stands and disagreements over that with different factions of the support and things like that but this smith had asked for a more of a united front and he wanted everyone on the same page and you talk about when you're in a survival fight that as long as you see that the team are doing the basics and they're putting their bodies on the line and they're really fighting for the cause, then the fans can get behind it. And that's what this felt like to me. Yeah, the sort of tempo and intensity from minute one yesterday just felt different to what it has in, in previous games. And I think that's what got the fans on side from minute one. I mean, the atmosphere yesterday was, was spot on throughout the game. There was no sort of negative chance. I mean, I heard a little bit here and there about Josh Sargent again, but nothing to the sort of extent that we'd seen in recent away games where it had become quite toxic and the chance obviously of being all over social media and dividing opinion on sort of this sort of section of a fan base that we have. But yesterday that sort of Bartley and the snake pit were just behind them, especially sort of towards the end of that game where obviously Everton were were punned on the pressure and everyone was sort of a little bit nervous. But I think those sort of nerves were almost drowned out by the fact that the crowd were just so loud and behind them and it almost got them over the line. And that is obviously a huge three points that, that obviously moves us forward into this game against Watford. Yeah, it felt like the crowd sensed that the players needed them to to drive them on. You know, seven added minutes. And I think we ended up going into a tenth, didn't we? Because Norwich players going down here, there and and everywhere. The, the chant you're referring to is the um, if Sergeant scores were on the pitch, uh, which I, I think is just maybe a, a sort of a different sense of humour. Maybe some people think that that's funny. Some people think that that's sarcastic. I don't I just don't see it as helpful for, for the player. I'm. Um, I, I'm sure I'm sure he prefers the USA USA chance. And there was a nice moment actually before kickoff. I ended up being in my seat a bit earlier than normal. And there's a there's a birthday box, isn't there, up in the River End where um, you know they they can rent out one of what would normally be a, a sponsor's box. And they've got I think they've got Playstations and whatever in there for the kids to keep them happy. And they were all sort of on the front of the window watching all the players coming around the ed- edge of the pitch as they walk uh, to the dressing rooms. And they were all, you know, banging on the window, singing and shouting in an empty stadium, which was quite funny in itself. And then as soon as they saw Sergeant, they all these like little eight, 10 year olds or whatever they are go, USA, USA. <laughs> he must have loved it. Um, 
his wife gave birth in midweek as well, didn't he? So unfortunately, we didn't get to see him doing the old cradling the baby celebration. But I'm I'm sure if he can get a goal, there's going to be a lot of um, pleasure on his behalf, really, Pad, because... Once again, I think in where I am with Sargent, as we've started talking about him, is almost that I'm, I'm not really thinking of him as a striker now. In terms of a right winger, I think he is in the starting 11. In, I would have chosen him there yesterday as well. I think Smith made the right decision. But again, all that graft and the, the positive sides of his game mean that he can contribute to, t- to the team in that position. 100% agree. Yeah, wrote, wrote on those lines in my point. Is, is, is essentially part part the 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 price tag forget about that forget that he's nominally labeled a forward on any soccer base or whatever site you go to 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 uh, to uh, explore what player profiles and breakdowns and positional areas of the pitch is is essentially a wide right attacker that's how Dean Smith used him that's how we have to treat him you, you can't at this stage um you know continue to harangue him for his lack of goals yes that of course will follow him around until he can develop some productivity in that area of his game. But um but everything that he, he does bring, I think, was encapsulated right here, right now at this stage of his career in this Norwich template under this head coach. And, you know, we've talked about the fans already in this podcast to a man, woman, child, he got a standing ovation when he came off. So the twenty four thousand who paid their money and went there and watched their team, they were more than happy with what Josh Sargent gave them. And if he performs at those levels I think that will continue for the rest of the season. Obviously helped massively that uh, a certain young Irish uh, forward uh, did did get off the mark and did look like he's capable of scoring goals. And they obviously got a bit of fortune with Michael Keane putting through his own net. So as long as others can, can chip in with the goals, I think if you see that from Josh Sargent in that area of the pitch, um, you, you're going to be happy for now. Obviously, ultimately, the price tag will always be there. The fact that he is... A striker. The fact that Daniel Farker came out and more or less said he was Timu's long-term successor, at least they hoped he was. All of those things are going to continue to to sharpen the focus about his lack of goals. Um, but as I say, for the here and now, the job he's doing, I think he's as good as any uh, in the current squad. I'd certainly personally, uh, and that was the change. Pohetta came out of the side from West Ham. Sargent went back in. I, w- I would have him over Pohetta all day long. Right now, I'd have him there all day long over Dowell and I'd probably have him there all day long because we haven't seen enough of him yet in the first team environment this season to a Todd, Todd Cantwell because he will be effective. And and yes, he's not probably going to slalom past players and, and stick it in the top corner, but you know, the unselfish work, the unseen work, the, the screening front post defensively, heading clear and, and supporting Max Aarons, the energy, the endeavour, the work rate. I mean, I, we, we haven't, I haven't actually dug down into the stats yet, but the amount of miles slash kilometres he must, must have covered would be right up there in terms of Norwich players. So all of those aren't particularly eye-catching, headline-grabbing, sexy, really, but they're all <laughs> massively important attributes to the overall team performance. And if he performs like that and Norwich continue to perform as they did, then, as I say, you know, I think most Norwich fans will be happy. So um, great to see because, you know, we're talking about criticism and sarcasm and we even touched on it already in this podcast – he, he has had to, to deal with that on a personal level. And that won't be easy for what is still a very young man in England for the first time, in the Premier League for the first time, with a young family now, all of that to contend with. You know, maybe we start need to cut, start cutting him a little bit of slack, I think. 
yeah, we all know how difficult it must have been to bounce back from that Brighton moment. I said it at the time that I thought it was such a such a high profile bad moment that I thought it was going to almost have a bit of psychological damage for him to to turn it around. And perhaps it's just taken this this time for him to uh, readjust a little bit. You know, Dean Smith had spoken about the fact that they were they needed to press the reset button. He felt that the Leicester postponement allowed them to do that physically and mentally. Uh, okay, West Ham. We all saw how good they are. They could have ended up winning that game five or six nil West Ham, if we're if we're perfectly honest. Um, they were they were very good, and they were still missing some key players. So they they're not the teams that Norwich realistically are, are competing with. Um, but yeah, we're starting to see a few signs of that reset button being pressed. But of course, as we've already said, and we'll continue to say for quite a long time yet, unless they build on this then it's, it's going to be nothing. If you go and lose 3-0 at Watford, then everyone's going to be on their back again, aren't they? But you've mentioned him a bit there, Pad. Let's um, let's talk Adam Eder. Um, Adam, I'll give you the, the first chunk of that, but I just wanted to read um, the a couple of quotes from Alan Shearer on Match of the Day, no less, the Premier League's record goal scorer in England legend. Uh, he said Everton couldn't cope with him at all. He caused them too many problems. He was too clever for them. So, as a, he's still only 20, which is, you know, mad. He's just passed his 50th appearance for the club. That's his first Premier League goal. His first Carroll Road goal, well, for the first team anyway, which is quite weird. I, I saw him score that 10-minute hat-trick for the under-18s, whatever that was, four years ago. So he's definitely scored at Carroll Road before. But with the fans there, a proper, proper goal at Carroll Road. Just how impressed were you with, with Adam Eder? I think that's probably well. It is by far the best performance I've ever seen personally because I wasn't impressed when he scored his hat. Any player? Um, in terms of just, <laughs> just out of either, unfortunately, yeah, um, yeah, I wasn't impressed when he burst on the scene. Obviously, scored that hat trick, and he's had a sort of bit of a strange Norwich City career, really. Obviously, yeah. injuries and and that have just hampered him and, and stifled him from really progressing to become the player that obviously we all hoped that he would become when he was in the academy and just banging in goals left, right, and centre. And yeah, I think yesterday we just saw almost his touch just looked a lot more sort of neat and on the, mm. you know, just seemed to be able to be more powerful and, and break past players where in the past I just haven't really seen that from him at any level, you know, especially Premier League Premiership level when he has come on this season. And obviously, I think you sort of bring up the stat that he's only sort of, you know, he's been a substitute pretty much in all those 50 appearances that he's ever played for Norwich. And there must be a reason why he's never been sort of, obviously, the injuries are part of that, but why he's never really been put in from the start. But I think yesterday probably was the start of maybe a bit of a run of games where if he can really build off that performance yesterday and sort of main, you know, almost take that praise he's been given, you know, as, as sort of a boost in his confidence, then I think he could become quite a big player this season because, so yeah, he's been tagged with potential loan moves as well in the past, which I think obviously we believe that the club potentially would have done that if it wasn't for the COVID issues. And obviously, you know, they need those sort of players at the top of the pitch. But, um, yeah, I think if he can build on that, then we've got a player there for this season. Hopefully he can obviously score some more goals that will hopefully keep Norwich in the Premier League. Yeah, big time. My, my mind goes back to that Liverpool Cup game and when he dealt with uh, Virgil van Dijk so impressively and everyone took note of that and said, well, hang on, Adam Eder's turning into a man here, isn't he? He's got the, the physical size and strength and, and willing as well. But it's taken him a while to, to kick on. I said in the six things in midweek, of course, he, he hits the post at West Ham, doesn't he? Fabianski tips a really good shot. That would have been such a good goal um, in midweek. And that was at 1-0 as well. So that could have been a big moment. And I wrote in the six things after that game that I felt his breakthrough moment was close. Obviously, didn't quite expect it to work out as well as it has in terms of it being the next game. But you look at his stats from the game, which I have. If you if you have a look at the story on Pink and Plus, which has got the Shearer quotes in, I've listed his stats from the game as well. And a lot of them were 
sort of career highs in a Norwich shirt. So I'll just pick out a couple of examples. Completed passes, 14. That's the most he's ever had in a league game for Norwich. Dribbles attempted, 11. Most he's ever had for Norwich. 40, uh, 14 duels, one. I won't keep going through all them, all of them because it's a bit dry to read out, but you get the gist really that he, you can feel and you can see that he's making that impact at the moment. And I think what's almost tantalising with, with Adam, Paddy, is that there's more to come, I think. I think this is just us starting to see the um, his his potential starting to come to fruition. And um, that is clearly what the Island boss saw in him, in Stephen Kenny, why he's already given him those nine international caps, because he he knows that he has got it in the tank. Perhaps they just promoted him a bit too early. Perhaps Norwich promoted him a little bit too early and he would have been better to go out and get loans. But that doesn't matter now. He's starting to do it. But I think... Well, I don't know if you agree with me, but he's now got to be on Friday night for the Watford game, one of the first names on the team sheet. Oh, all day long, yeah. And, um, you know, for all the reasons you boys have already stated, but also as well, I mean, I draw a parallel with with Max, with Max Aarons, who, you know, it's only slightly older, but but kind of both come through at the same time, you could argue, into the first team mix at Norwich. And it's opportunity. You know, we talked there about the bulk of those 50 appearances previously were off the bench. You know, Max... There was a spot there. You know, Evo Pinto wasn't really going to be Daniel Farkas. Neither was Ben Marshall, clearly, after a few games. Um, first choice right back. And and you had a head coach who believed in, in giving young players their opportunity. It was at the championship level as well. We have to, you know, make that clear. It wasn't the, the, the exacting environment that is the Premier League that you're trying to blood a player in. It's a different kettle of fish entirely. But all of those factors were almost in Max's favour. And, of course, then it's up to... Uh, the young player to take his opportunity and we all know you know we've just reflected quite quite in depth on his 150 appearances for the club and he was good again on Saturday so you need you need the opportunity it has to be there at the right time and you have to be ready to take it and Max did I don't think Adams ever really had that kind of stack of cards in his favour because ultimately he's been trying to get past well you know by common consent, I think one of, if not the best player of, of this four, last four or five years, and that's Timu Puki in terms of, you know, what they paid for him and then the value they've got for him. Um, phenomenal, really. And we don't need to, you know, dwell too much on that. The record, the, the goal scoring record will tell you, um, the achievements will tell you. And that essentially, uh, under a head coach who, who favoured one out and out forward was, was the obstacle. And if you're Adam either, good luck with that. You know, when you're still trying to learn what your game's all about, and to bring it up, bang up to date, that's what Dean Smith essentially said again after the game on Saturday. We don't know how good he could be. We don't know how far he could go because they're still, as in him and Shakespeare, are still learning what Adam Eder is and what type of player he is. But he also said, Dean Smith, that Adam Eder is still learning what he is and what he could become. Um, to, so to answer your point directly, yeah, the potential is vast. And, and really, we've only just peeled away one or two of the, the top layers because... You know, at 20 years of age, he's nowhere nowhere near going to be the finished article. You referenced a, a legend like Alan Shearer. Well, you know, you know, at 20 years of age, I haven't checked back, but I'm going to take a punt here. He's he's probably struggling to get in the Southampton side, you know, or or, or the very least, um, you know, he's he's certainly not ripping up any trees at the top level of the game. So he's probably ahead of schedule still. It just feels that he's been around forever because he did get fast tracked so early, and that's that's obviously going against him, really. But the reality is you have a very, very young forward. He's raw. He's inexperienced. He's got to develop his own game. Dean Smith and Shakespeare are working with him. But the initial signs now 
are very, very encouraging. And, uh, you know, we saw plenty at West Ham. I thought West Ham was a leap forward in terms of what we'd seen from him previously in a, a, a green and yellow shirt. And then he's he's carried that on again against Everton and added that goal, that landmark goal. And ultimately, if he's, if you're Adam Eder, you now must feel you have a head coach who really believes in you, really believes, and is willing to give you starts in the Premier League. And that confidence after his goal, but even before his goal, as I say, at West Ham and, and at the start of the game on Saturday, you could see he's playing with a confidence and an air of, no, hang on now. I actually do belong at this level. I'm not phased about playing whoever in the Premier League. I feel I'm good enough and I'm going to show I'm good enough now. And I've got a head coach there, if I look to my right or my left in the dugout, who believes in me and has given me a start and an opportunity. So brilliant to see because I think for a long, long time, anybody who's watched his, his progress felt there was a, a, a player there because he is an actual goal scorer. That's no doubt. I look back again at his finish this morning and, you know, Yes, he's in the right position, but because he's he's a goal scorer and he knows innately where to be. But then one touch control, one touch finish, excellent, no dallying at all, and um, and you can't really teach that. I don't think. I think that's if you're talking about strikers, that's inbred in you really. That that nous to know where you need to be and then what you need to do when you get in the box. And uh, we've seen that at every other level. We hadn't seen it so far in the Premier League in the Norwich shirt. We have now. Really exciting because on a broader point. If he if he carries on in this vein and and weighs in with a few more goals between now and May, who knows? That could be the difference between Norwich pulling off this what seemed mission impossible um, and and staying up because you know if if they can get a few goals at the top end of the pitch, I think we've seen enough again against Everton that they have that fighting spirit, that character, that determination that they can cling on to something. But you obviously need something to cling on to, and Adam Eder. Gave him something to cling on to, allied to the Michael Keenan goal. So, yeah, really positive, really positive. And of course, the final thing I'd say on him is, you know, there's been a lot of debate and a lot of criticism coming Norwich's way about seemingly not being able to do anything in January in terms of the transfer window and how that is a lack of ambition or, or, or again, amplifies how poor the recruitment was in the summer and Stuart Webber's getting it in the neck for that. But ultimately, as Dean Smith said, and people didn't really want to hear it, if you get A, your key players back, but, but maybe B now added to that, you get Adam Eder firing in, then it might turn out to be a very good window without actually bringing in a new body. Because if you get Adam Eder in that goal-scoring form, that will feel like a new signing, essentially, because hitherto he hadn't really offered any suggestion that he could he could bring that to the party. So really positive, really positive. But I do, I just keep continually have to keep stressing. I, I, I don't want to keep dampening down expectations, but... It is one game, both for Norwich and Adamida. We need to see more now, and we need to see them carry on where they left off at Everton when they go to Vicarage Road on Friday. Absolutely. And a fabulous assist from Brandon Williams as well, which, as I'll come back on to in just, uh, just a minute, I'm going to play you a bit of audio from... We, we had a good chat with Adam after the game, actually. Um, me and Chris Gorham um, speaking to him, and then I, I usually follow on with a, a few extra questions. You just made me think while you're talking there, Pad, I'll just chat. He's under contract until 2024, Ida, so two and a half years left on his deal. So, you know, if he continues even for a, a slight burst of form here... I'd imagine Stuart Webb is going to be pretty quickly onto his agent wanting to get um, some contract talks underway if they're not already. Because, um, yeah, on the evidence of of certainly the last two games, maybe a few other Premier League appearances in the last couple of months, they've got a player there to, to really work with. And I, I retweeted someone yesterday after the game who 
said this this new Ida player is pretty decent, isn't he? <laughs> Where have they signed him from? And that is, like you say, it felt like a, a new signing. And you mentioned Max as well. He To emphasise that point, when Max was playing FA Youth Cup, that was with Adam. Adam was a 16-year-old who'd come over from Ireland who um, they thought they'd found this gem. And then I think I think that was the first time I'd seen him play that Barnsley FA Youth Cup game. So just over four years ago, and he scores a 10-minute hat-trick. Now, you, you don't see that sort of thing very often at all in football, so it sticks in your head. And he, you could see how much confidence was flowing for him at those academy levels. Everything he touched turned to goals. And... I think you can see that in what we've seen from him at senior level as well, that he is one of those strikers who is going to be a confidence player. He's maybe a slightly shy type of personality. And if he gets on a roll, then you'll, you will really see good things from him and, and you will see him sort of fulfil his, his true abilities. So, yeah, let's have um, have that bit of audio from the uh, from the chat with Adam Eder after the game, and he had a massive smile on his face. The atmosphere was was brilliant, wasn't it? That that two minutes, obviously, once your goal had gone in, they barely stopped celebrating the first one. This place is going absolutely mad. Well, it's mental. It? Like I've never I've never seen anything like it. When I was on the pitch, um, obviously it's my first goal in Car Road, and to be able to celebrate in front of the fans is just it's just amazing. I've been. Been wanting that feeling for a long, long time, so uh, well, I'm just delighted to get that. Yeah, hopefully, we never get back behind closed doors or anything. Um, oh. How well did Brandon Williams do for, for setting you up as well? Oh, no, to be fair to Brandon, he's been. I think he's been excellent all season. Um, that run there today was, was unbelievable. Me and Brandon spoke before the game, and he said he's going to give me an assist today. Right. And <laughs> so we were both buzzing in the change room, and uh, look, it paid off well. And just delighted to get the win. Yeah, it was sort of a pin-perfect pass. Um, and there were some big moments in there. I mean, the one that sticks in my mind was Dimmy at the back post, that block just after he'd come on. That that sort of illustrated how much you boys wanted it today, didn't you? Yeah, 100%. Like I said, you just need to go back to the basics at times. That's that's how you can win games in, in football. And I think everyone stuck in, everyone grinded out. We showed great character. And I think that's what we needed. Um, even with the, with the fans behind us, that gave us an extra lift as well towards the end of the game because it was a bit hectic once they scored their goals and look just need to keep uh, going and grind these results out For you this builds on the West Ham game as well doesn't it where uh, I think quite a few of us gave you man of the match and stuff how pleased were you with your performance that night as well? Look, I was happy with my performance but at the end of the day um, it's, it's a team game and we, we, we wanted to win um, so I didn't look too much into it and like I said football changes quick that was my opportunity to, to show the gaffer what I can do and thought it uh, played quite well and today uh, he gave me another chance so I just need to keep this going and hopefully uh, can stay on the team. So this week now yeah, I'd imagine the Charlton game probably helped raise spirits a little bit and stuff in the end maybe the first half wasn't the best but in the end it helps to boost things a little yeah. bit. You've now got almost a whole week to prepare for that Watford game you guys are going to be so fired up for that aren't you? Yeah 100% I think, uh, I think after every every win you get you, you, you're raring to play the next game you're, you're really confident so uh, look we take each game as it comes. We've got Watford next week and we're, we just need to prepare right for that. Recover now after today and just go from there. Hopefully get the win. I think they equalise later in Newcastle as well. So it's got that nice for you. Ross. Yeah. Top man. Uh, thank you. Right, we've got loads more to talk about then because there's lots of other positives. Um, Adam, if I come to you on Pierre-Lise Malou to start with, I think there's been plenty of praise heading his way as well. I, I don't think we're talking about him and Sorensen being absolutely outstanding. There were still a few sloppy moments, a few moments where they weren't quite able to extinguish things defensively. But 
I think that those two probably illustrate the point that we were talking about a little bit earlier in terms of their intent, in terms of getting their foot in and of covering a lot of yards on the pitch, covering for the fullbacks and things like that. How much of a step forward did you feel that was for Pierre? Yeah, huge step forward. Obviously, they've both been, him and Sorensen, both been given sort of a big opportunity due to the injuries that obviously we have in the squad, which hopefully those will soon be back in the coming weeks. But yeah, Lays Malou, obviously a couple of good efforts as well from outside the box yesterday, which I think we saw uh, against Gillingham earlier in the season, in the pre-season game, he scored an absolute belter from outside the area, if I remember oh, yeah. that correctly. And uh, I think we know that he has that in his locker, which if Norwich can unlock that kind of you know player in there that will you know just have an effort on goal from outside the area and has the ability to score, then yeah, you've got you know a good player in your hands there. And we know that he can pass, but he just I think he's looked a little bit lightweight at times this season. But yesterday, I think alongside Sorensen, who had a pretty good game, especially second half, sort of mopping up and and he made that really good tackle, didn't he? Sort of right at the end of the game there, where he where he sort of went, well, I can't remember who took it off, but in the penalty area, but um, it was a great tackle. But Richardson, wasn't it? But yeah, those two on, on the whole yesterday, I think really both sort of took a step forward in their sort of Premier League careers for Norwich City. And if they can sort of maintain those levels, then obviously players like Norman and Gilmore might even struggle potentially to even push them out of the team if, you know, if it's going to be a couple more weeks and these two perform at Watford on, on Friday. Yeah, it was interesting to see it, when you look at the touches in the game, Ida had 52 and that was the most of any Norwich player. It's normally a Gilmore or someone in the middle. Who's, who's the highest point of that? And Lise Malo was just just behind him, I think, on fifty or fifty-one touches, something like that. So um, that that again illustrates probably just how involved Eder was in terms of the hold-up play and making the ball stick and and teasing Everton a little bit. But the moment for me that really stuck in my mind with Lise Malou was was late on. You knew Lise had made that brilliant block when he'd come on, which is a nice moment for him um, to sort of show that he can do the defensive side of things as well. But then, barely 60 seconds later, he loses the ball and Gordon's in on goal. And there's Lise Malou absolutely charging back into his own box, just easing the young man off the ball, taking it out to the left um, left back position. And then, crucially, really, when things are, when the pressure is on, he finds Adam Eder's chest. He plays the ball into his striker. His striker holds it up and finds his strike partner, uh, Tami Buki. And, Pad, we can probably extrapolate that a little bit into really the impact that Dean Smith has had on all this in terms of just maybe simplifying a little bit, going to a 4-4-2. And Adam has spoken about it a lot in his post-match interview about them getting back to to basics. And I think we, we saw that throughout the team, really. Yeah, and it's a, it's a great point on Lee Smalou. I mean, we, me and Connor got in, into him pretty hard, hard on the Monday nightclub here, on, mm. on, on, sorry, on the app um, last week. And with with good reason because hitherto you know he wasn't offering Adam talked about him being lightweight and you you would you would be hard pressed to disagree they hadn't carried that physical threat and games were just passing him by in the Premier League but but there's no doubt you know and whether that is something Smith and Shakespeare have, have flagged to him but there's far more aggression to his game without the ball against West Ham and against Everton but it might also be yeah you know thinking about the shape is he better in essentially a four if you've got Rashica as he did track back and uh, you've obviously got Sargent we've already talked about his willingness to do his defensive side of his game so so in a four across the middle of the park essentially um, and on occasion certainly when Everton up the ante and Timu's dropping in there it's almost like a five that you know almost safety in numbers that that he looks better he looks more secure in the centre of the park as opposed to you know when it was him or Gilmore or sort of Kenny McLean uh, or Sorensen there in the FA Cup um, they look vulnerable. They look vulnerable, and and the stats will tell you that. You know, at Charlton, Sorensen and and Lisa Malou gave the ball away over sixty times in their own half, 
at Charlton, League One opponents. Can you imagine if they'd have posted those negative numbers against Everton? Um, I don't think it would have ended as a 2-1 win to, to the host. So, might be a, a formational tweak. Um, but also, I, I get the sense as well that, you know, and again, we've talked at length here about, you know, either and his ad- ad- adaptation period. Of course, Leesman, who vastly more experienced. But again, uh, coming from a, a different country and a different type of football, maybe it's taken him to this point. You know, as we discussed on the Monday Night Club, both Vrancic and Steeperman, that first season they had in England, they were nowhere near it. And um, and again, I know we're talking championship as opposed to Premier League, but, you know, it, it almost took them a full season before we saw the type of impact they could have in those very similar areas of the pitch to Lee Smalou. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe now that he's realised what it's all about and where he needs to tailor and taper his game to have the greatest impact. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt that Dean Smith said, single those two out, him and Sorensen for praise. And and for two who've been maligned and, and had to answer questions, are they good enough for this level? Certainly, that was a good step in the right direction. And um, yeah, it's a very interesting one now because Dean Smith also said after the game that Billy Gilmore has returned to Norwich. Norwich's physios and, and sports science have took control from Chelsea of his of his next stage of his rehab. He's only, they hope, two weeks away. So is Matthias Norman, two to three weeks away, Dean Smith said. And Kenny McLean missed out against Everton. He was self-isolating. So in, in very short order, we... we and that's not even talking about Lucas Rupp, who who probably is is more or less on a similar timescale, two to three weeks. It it could very well be that Dean Smith has some serious dilemmas in his central midfield and of the positive variety in terms of he's got options rather than, as it was against Everton, essentially Sorensen and Lise Malou were paired together because they were the only fit and available central midfielders, certainly senior options. So all well and good because the more competition you've got, Hopefully, the ones that are in possession of the shirt, it raises their performance levels. But there's no doubt if I'm McLean, I'm Gilmore, even if I'm Norman, I've, I've looked at those two last afternoon and and I can now see that within the right template that they can be effective. But, you know, as you said earlier, Dave, we, we go to Watford Friday night and they look nowhere near it uh, in, in a team who look nowhere near it and they lose the game two or three. Then we're back, back on the negative train. So, uh, yeah. Good, positive signs, and um, we need to see more of that from Lise Malou particularly, but also Sorensen, I would say, because you know when Norman is fit, when McLean's available, when Gilmore's available, I think those two are probably know that they're going to struggle then to retain their place. So any opportunity between now and then, they've got to grab it. It's almost like that first half at Charlton was such a shock to the system that it's kicked them into gear a bit because Lee Malou was better in the second half at Charlton as well. He was dreadful in the first half. And when Adam was talking earlier, it did remind me that of Rancic really in his first season, that first six months, it wasn't that Mario wasn't trying. He was really trying. And he was occasionally, he'd thunder into a tackle or something because he was trying to show that he was willing to put in the effort. And we've seen that a few times from Lisa Lewis. It's not that he's not trying. He just hasn't quite got the rhythm of, of the English game before. And there was a, when I spoke to him earlier in the season, I remember him saying about how, um, how, uh, in in France, the referees blow the whistle for fouls a lot more often. So it's just the intensity of the game, which surprised me a little bit, to be honest, considering we're talking about comparing two top flights there. And he just said that the game is so frenetic in England. And basically, that is what he struggled to get up to pace with. So 
Good from him, hopefully. Sorensen, I thought, wasn't quite on it first half on Saturday, but second half, certainly defensively, was was good. And I've seen a few people say, which maybe in the second half I just about agree with, that that was probably the closest we've seen to an Ollie Skip type performance from a Norwich player since um, since Skip left last season. So perhaps there's a there's a little opportunity there for Sorensen to, to lay a claim to to a, you know a Premier League career, but he's he's clearly they've all got to keep moving through the gears. This this was just a building point. We're not we're not we're, obviously we are a little bit excited and, and we're going to enjoy the positivity. We've got to because it's been a grim season so far and a, and a strange season so far. So we've got to savor it a little bit. But we all know they are not all of a sudden world beaters. They haven't gone and beaten Manchester City two 0 or something. This was an out of form Everton who are probably going to sack their manager by the time this is out uh, for most of our listeners. Um, to uh, to to get stuck into. So let's move it on because I also I do want to speak about Grant Hanley. I'll come to you on on Hanley in a minute, Pad, because I thought he was so good. But Adam, I'll come to you on Brandon Williams, who also I think probably probably at least one of his best performances for Norwich. Um, another player to get a standing ovation when he went off the pitch. He had a nightmare against Arsenal on Boxing Day, didn't he? he had a really really uh, bad day at the office, but it feels like. Certainly to me, I think I've been in, in if you're looking at Williams versus Yanoulis, I think I've been in the Williams camp for a while. But it was actually quite telling. I thought that Dean Smith brought on Byram at left back when Williams had to come off in, ahead of Yanoulis. Although <laughs> three minutes later, Max goes off and he has to bring on Yanoulis anyway. Yeah, I'd agree. Obviously, that was a debate we had on a Monday night club quite a few weeks back. And now, obviously, Williams or Janoulis. And I think I opted for Williams at the time as well. I think just going, obviously, Janoulis attacking wise, I think offers you a decent, you know, threat. He can put a ball in the box. But I think Williams offers you that as well, as we saw yesterday. Obviously, that that burst where he, you know, nicked the ball and and drove the team forward and slipped into Ida to to score. But he also has that defensive capability. Maybe sort of, I've seen a few highlight reels where. You know, you see sort of a player going in towards the box and he just comes out of nowhere and slides and, and takes the ball. I think there was one against Aston Villa where that was an absolute brilliant tackle. So he offers that defensive capability as well. And I've seen sort of a few people saying, you know, he'll be a, an England starter in a few years, but I don't know about that yet. But he's definitely got the ability there. And, you know, he's he's on United, you know, he's on May United books for a reason. He's he's obviously mm. a talented player. And I think, you know, he can maintain those levels for the rest of the season. Then it, you know, he will start games. And I think he'll probably be the preferred player in that position because, yeah, yesterday, yeah, again, I think he's been consistently quite good all season, but I think yesterday was was probably one of his best performances, as you've already said. As a lone player, it's important to show that sort of tenacity and stuff, isn't it? And the and the work uh and the work rate. And there was that tackle, I think, in the second half, wasn't there, where he where he slid back just in front of the Barkley and and that really got a reaction from the crowd because he just made sure that Gordon couldn't get the cross in. And that was that was the commitment. On on Yanulis, he is obviously quite a popular player with a lot of fans, isn't he? Because I think because of that style of the way he can attack and stuff, for me, maybe maybe in a similar way to how we talked about Sargent, I would be perfectly happy to see him play on the left wing now. Would, would you go along with that, Adam? Yeah. Maybe, not, I'm not saying ahead of Rashidza, obviously. but Yeah, he's definitely got that ability. Obviously, that, that cross at Newcastle for, for Pukki was you know, on the money. I mean, so I think there's definitely a player there in terms of potentially moving forwards as a forward player, I think. As a winger, yeah, definitely an option there. If you know there is injuries or or suspensions or whatever it may be, then I think it's definitely an option there. But yeah, defensively, I mean, we obviously criticise defensive nature, but that block yesterday from Gordon was yeah. uh, was pretty crucial. I mean, I think that's probably the reason why they got all three points in the end. So he's definitely still got it in there. But um, I think yeah, he's more of an attacking fullback if, if you're talking about that position. 
yeah, agreed. And I, I was pleased for him, really, that moment, because um, that will that will have meant a lot to him that he came on and contributed. But one man who certainly did get through all the blocks, Pad, and a serious amount of aerial work, as ever, really, um, I, I did a, a, again, that was in the six things after the West Ham game, sort of highlighted how Norwich have actually been pretty good from set pieces this year. They haven't conceded many goals from corners at all, and most of them have come from open play. And and usually when Grant Hanley's on the pitch, they, they deal with them pretty well. But that was a real captain's performance, wasn't it? Leadership and, and desperation to not let people pass him. Well, yeah. I mean, as, as his head coach said to those players before the game, we need actions, not words. Well, there you go, typified by, by the man who leads them out uh, before the game. I don't think it's safe to say we've dealt with him often enough. People can see the type of character is. He's probably not the demonstrative um, Churchillian stirring speeches type of character, but what he is, is a, he's a, he's a leader of football players and, um, you know, set the tone really, as Dean Smith said, and, and referenced it apparently at half time that um, he talked about a block grant mate after, after minute one, minute two, there was a, there was a, a really forceful challenge on Damari Gray, which I think gave away a free kick, but it certainly left Everton in no doubt you're getting it today. Now you've come to our house, basically, and uh, and the players around him, um, they bought into that. And uh, you know, we talked about Williams, you know, fearlessly throwing himself into challenges. Max on the other side of the pitch, Ben Gibson's obviously a bit more refined than that, but you know, he kind of fed off of what was happening by the guy to his right. And uh, you know, we said on the walk back from the ground yesterday that. You know, we've seen these type of performances from Handy, um, but we probably haven't seen the consistency really. And for him, you can, you know, apply that probably to Norwich as a whole, certainly in the Premier League. Um, because if if he had that element to his game, I think we've, if you break it down yesterday, he's got all the attributes to be a top class central defender. Um, look at the job he did on Harry Kane for, for his country in the Euros mm-hmm. in the summer. You know, one of one of the best uh, sort of marking jobs I think Harry Kane will have had to to deal with. Um, he he can reach those levels, but he hasn't probably over his entire career because you look back, you know, he didn't establish himself in the Premier League when he was at Newcastle. Um, most of his career, if not all of it, I think at Blackburn was in the Championship. So, you know, those questions around him and Gibson going into this season uh, were valid. You know, can they, can they become established, very good Premier League central defenders? And if we see that vintage from Grant Hanley, then, then the answer is obviously yes. Um, and and if he produced that on a regular basis, with the greatest respect to Norwich, he's probably playing for a, a club with with higher aspirations in the Premier League. So, you know, fantastic. And there's no doubt um, because he he does have his detractors. And and again, a bit like you know many other players in that squad, when the results aren't where they need to be and the performances aren't where they need to be. The, the negative elements of an individual's game are the ones we focus on. And, and you know, talking about Watford and how big that is going to Vicarage Road. He was poor uh, in the Watford home game here early in the season. If you cast your mind back, let Saar run off him, at least for one of the goals. And there might have been another one as well. And I think there was a game or two around then as well where he looked pretty, pretty rocky. Um, but, you know, again, I think he was just coming back from injury, wasn't he, as well at that point. Um, and these are all mitigation, you know, when the results are as bad as they are and the performances are, the, the mitigation tends to go in one ear and out the other, and that's just human nature, probably. But it it was the type of performance that you needed from your captain because ultimately, as Dean Smith said again after the game, 
he needs his leaders. And, and there was a lot of talk about this leadership group that's been formed now or is in the process of being formed with the players at Dean Smith's instigation. Grant Hanley, clearly, as the captain, will be part of that. Um, but it's on on the pitch where we need to see that leadership from him. Tim Krul, obviously. Timu, as well, through another one through performance rather than words. And if you can get that over the entirety of what remains of this season, then I think we can all say without a shadow of a doubt that they'll be far more competitive and they'll have a far better chance of staying up. Whether it'll be good enough in the final analysis, whether the damage is already done, time will tell. But uh, but Grant Hanley in that form, inspiring others around him as well. Um, what more could you ask from your captain? And uh, you know, it's it's good that because he's had he's had his critics and he has had to deal with plenty of people pointing out the negatives and the flaws in his game. That we're all sat here, you know, the day after talking about how good he was and how inspiring he was as a captain. Because um, you know, ultimately. All it really matters, the only opinion that really matters about Grant Hanley is Dean Smith's opinion. And and he is in no doubt Grant Hanley is an absolutely pivotal part of what they're trying to do between now and the end of the season. Yeah, there, there was an early crunching tackle on Gray, which I felt set the tone a little bit. Um, and he was pretty good Wednesday as well, dealing with Mikhail Antonio, who we know full well can be a real handful. And it, it is just so hard to handle because he's so strong and fast. But I said in my video verdict after Wednesday that I thought that was a little bit like his Euros performance against Harry Kane in, in the way he almost had just focused on the striker and he really tried to sort of put him in his pocket type thing. I don't think he quite managed it to the same degree, but um, overall it was was pretty decent. And yeah, as your captain, I mean, I've I've been on the end of the, the Hanley stare a couple of times. He's got this sort of dry wit that we've we've spoken about a few times. He likes to sort of, spar with you almost it, you know when things are bad if you put, say the wrong word he's gonna he's gonna call you up on it he doesn't like being messed about and equally when things are, are going a bit better he likes to uh likes to just sort of um take the myth a little bit shall we say so if he was my captain I'm pretty sure if he said uh to jump I, w- I would ask how high and <laughs> that's probably a, a decent thing to have and it's interesting to hear Dean Smith talk about this leadership group this week how they're looking to sort of They've held like a players' vote to, to to promote some people into the the leadership group, and we'll try and find out a bit more about that in the weeks ahead, won't we? And I very much get the vibe from him at the moment that he is looking to have a a settle back for if he can. So let's hope that Max is okay and that that injury isn't too bad. Smith suggested that they're hoping it's not not going to be a major problem. Tim Krull is obviously a little bit of a of a worry ahead of Watford. He ended up, you know, for Tim Krull to finish a game not celebrating with Carroll Road like he likes to do shows that he must have been in a bit of pain as he was led away by the physios. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try and find out the latest on that ahead of the, ahead of the Watford game. Um, but I suppose the, the big thing, Adam, ahead of Friday night is that Watford do have a, have a game on Tuesday, don't they? They go, well, it's scheduled, shall we say, <laughs> because there's all these postponements. I think Tottenham are pretty jarred off that the game against Arsenal has been annoyed, for instance, aren't they? So they go to Burnley on, on Tuesday night. I suppose from an Norwich point of view, we're all just hoping for a, a nice draining 1-1 draw or something, aren't we? Yeah, something like that would be lovely. Obviously, they were on a, a similar run to Norwich where they'd lost six on the bounce and obviously got the draw yesterday in the end with that with the late equaliser. But they haven't sort of been pulling up any trees recently. And, you know, if, if Burnley can really turn them over and it's a cold night up there and, you know, they potentially lose the game or obviously for Norwich's sake, probably a draw is, is the best case scenario, then, uh, yeah, Norwich would go into that game, you know, all rested and hopefully off the back of this performance. Obviously, we had against Everton with with big confidence and 
there's no reason then, you know, that Norwich couldn't go there and, and pull up a result. And then, you know, the table looks even more different than, than what it does at the moment. And especially sort of when the games start to level out a bit more, we can really sort of get a true picture of, of where Norwich are and, and what they need to do. Well, the one thing we can say with certainty is that if Norwich go and win at Vicarage Road on Friday night, it is game on. And then we've got a really exciting 16 final games of the season to, to look forward to. Still, nothing will be decided. They have got to use this as a building block, as we've said a few times, and they will know that full well. And I was quite pleased to see Dean Smith's demeanour, really. He, he didn't get too carried away. He wasn't. He didn't see that as the moment to then go around to all four sides of the stadium and, and you know, try and create the, the kind of the bond that Farker had, you know, the Olays and all that sort of stuff. I, I, we're not there yet. I think he, you know, I've got the table in front of me, 13 points and 10 goals and 21 games. They are still a million miles away from survival. But if they can continue in the vein that we showed on Saturday, then who knows? We can at least um, enjoy the rest of the season to some extent and and savour the games and, and not dread the games. Because that is, as I've said a few times before on this pod, that if they, get, if they go down as a self-funded club, personally, it's not the end of the world for me. It's kind of expected. It's kind of the logical conclusion. But as long as they were to go down fighting and their heads above water and showing the commitment that they showed on Saturday, I think most Norwich City supporters would be able to handle it. Adam, Paddy, thank you very much for your thoughts. Everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you can also hear the show on Future Radio 107.8 FM. If you're not already subscribed to Pink and Plus, then please do check it out. You get your first 30 days free at the moment. It's only $1.99 a month. And we're thankfully, we've been getting lots of nice uh, positive feedback in, in the last week or so. So uh, we're still working hard on that. Uh, Chris Sutton started his column for us this week. So we're really pleased to unveil him as our January transfer signing and his column Wednesday, Pad, am I right in? Yeah, it's Wednesday. You can also get it in the papers as well, of course, EDP and Evening News. But yeah, Pink and Plus, do check it out. That's where the NCFC live blog is. That's where a lot of our stuff is now. And um, you get it in a, a much nicer package. You just um, tap the app and away you go with all the latest Norwich City news and, uh, and views. So thank you very much for listening. And we will catch up with you soon ahead of that What Would Game.